The following program was pre-recorded on WFAN. It's time for Hello, My Name is Craig, our weekly candid conversation about gambling addiction. It's supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Now, here's Craig Carton. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Hello, My Name is Craig. Craig Carton with you as always uh, Saturday morning for the next 30 minutes of frank, open, honest conversation about gambling addiction, as I always say, we don't espouse any particular beliefs about recovery other than it's possible. And uh, every day, thousands of Americans are taking another step towards sobriety and being gambling free. As always, joining us from the New Jersey Council on Compulsive Gambling, our friend Dan Trelauer. He's the assistant executive director there. Danny, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well, Craig. Good morning. And just a great job at the National Council's conference this past week. You did a great job. I appreciate it. I was blessed to have the opportunity to be the keynote speaker on Wednesday for the National Council, and hopefully it was well-received, but I did have a chance to tell kind of my story and talk to people who are operators about the steps that I think at least they can take to help uh, stop somebody before they get uh, in way over their head. So I appreciate you saying that. Thank you. You're welcome. Joining us today all the way from Oklahoma is a compulsive gambler. Uh, her name is Christina C. Christina, good morning. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Good. You? I appreciate you joining us so much. You know, I said something uh, at that conference and something, you know, I was shamefully not aware of that, you know, gambling is as prevalent with women as guys. You know, when I went to rehab, I was there with a number of women. And I wonder for you, as we start to tell your story and your journey, was there ever a, a time when you started looking for recovery, looking for help, where you were afraid that you'd be the only woman in a room? Oh, very much so, very much so. When I when I first started uh, my recovery journey um, at the beginning of this year, I didn't know anything about GA. I didn't know I didn't know anything, and I had felt so isolated and alone. Like I, I didn't even know who to talk to. And so as I was digging. Everything I found was male-oriented or male-dominated, like podcasts and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, it was definitely it was definitely starting to feel like I was alone until I just happened to jump on a meeting and, and uh, met a woman on there, and that kind of just started my journey. And, and I really haven't come across a lot of women in, like, my GA meetings still, but, but, they, but we are out there. Gotcha. All right, well, let's tell your story. Um, how old were you when you first started to gamble before it became a problem? Were you uh, coming from a family of gamblers, or how did you get into it? Nope. Um, gambling is relatively new in Oklahoma. I mean, they, they did bingo halls, but I think it, it became more prominent um, in the early 2000s. But So it's not really a generational thing here, but uh, I started at 28, and it became a problem for me about 35 and um, what my last, was I your, placed my um, last bet on uh, March 6th of 2021. Oh, so great. So you're, you're uh, a few months in, and I assume you're feeling much better today than you were about six, seven months ago. Yeah, six, seven months ago, I didn't want to be here anymore. And I, uh, there's an isolation there that I can't even begin to describe unless you felt it. Um, and today, I'm four and a half months in, and I'm feeling better than I have in a very, very long time. Well, I want to get into that, and I, we will for sure, because it's very important to the mental health aspect of this. Uh, what was your game of choice, and what was the game that you could, ultimately couldn't say no to? Slot machines. That's that's all I've ever played. That's all I've 
I've known, and I didn't know all the different different types of gambling until I started recovery. Now, it's, it's interesting. I was in rehab with a kid from Oklahoma, and this never dawned on me. And living in rural Oklahoma, he said he could get in his car in any direction, and basically, you know, there was a casino within 50 miles of where he lived in any direction. It was, is that the same for you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. In, anywhere in the state. Anywhere in the state. You can't go, you can't go 60 miles and not hit one. Wow, so apparently it's second in this country only to Nevada for the amount of casinos. That's the state of Oklahoma. It's crazy to me. Yeah. So you're you're playing slot machines, and at first it was fun, recreational, no problem. Like how soon, looking back with clarity now, do you realize that you were kind of doing it in an abnormal way? Oh, yes, definitely. I started, when I started, I was... um, 28, just divorced. All my friends were still married, had had babies. I didn't have kids. And so it was just kind of an entertainment aspect, you know, something to get out. And then, yeah, it definitely turned into, you know, just, just running from my feelings and my issues. And, and it just turned into a big, big problem. Dan, I want to ask you a question. Is the, do you think in any way, shape or form, the access plays a role for people like us, or does it not matter if there's, you know, eight casinos in a 30-mile radius? Yeah, definitely. Accessibility has been shown by several studies and research uh, reports to show a huge role. I remember University of Buffalo did a research paper back in 2005, and what they found was that living within, uh, say, 10-mile radius of a casino or opportunity to gamble increased the rate of problem gambling by 90%. Now, that's not saying that 90% of people were problem gamblers. That's saying that if the rate was 2%, living within 10 miles or having that accessibility almost doubled the rate of problem gambling. So it's very clear that accessibility uh, does matter. I also note that, you know, Christina, thank you for sharing that you were a late onset gambler. You didn't grow up around it. Uh, Like we hear so many people on the show talk about growing up in their family. But we do note that female gamblers who experience problems – tend to be late-onset gamblers, and you notice divorce. Um, how much did the divorce, you think, now in hindsight play in developing the gambling problem? Oh, it was a, hu- it was a huge part of it. I wasn't, I wasn't dealing with my, my emotions. That's, and yeah. when I started at 28 after my divorce, you know, I was running from it was a traumatic thing. And, and as I was running from those issues, I look back at it now. Um, therapy would have just been much better and a lot cheaper. <laughs> yeah, no, no, there's no doubt about that. We all, we all, we all know that story. So, I agree. <laughs> at, at the height of the addiction, how often would you go to the casino to play slots? And when you went there, how long would you stay? You know, I wasn't. I hear, I hear some crazy stories, but um, I would go and I would stay probably until late evening. Um, but I've never been an all nighter. I've never been one of those all nighters. I've never stayed at, stayed at the the rooms in the casino. So I, I mean, but I would spend hours and I could spend all day there. Um, you know, and then at the end, it just got to the point where I couldn't leave. Even if I had $2, it didn't matter. As long as I had money, I could not leave. Did you get to a place ultimately where you ran out of money? Oh, Oh yeah. Years ago. (laughs) Got it. So, and I asked that question because I'm I'm trying to figure out and we're going to get to this point now, what happened in your life? where you finally said, hey, I got a problem. I got to get help for it, where you wanted to stop gambling or willing to stop gambling? You know, I've heard this 
this said on your previous shows, you just get sick and tired of being sick and tired. Have you uh, have you made amends with uh, or begun to make amends with uh, the people that you think you've hurt the most, that you've lied to the most, that you know you uh, that you think you you know negatively impacted the most? I have. My mom and my sister were probably the two that were affected the most, um, especially my twin sister. They're the ones that I would lie to and and um, that I would borrow money from and and um, and they're working they're working my program with me uh, every Great. day. So. Well, before we get to the recovery part of it, you know, the, the mental health part of it's important. You know, I've told the story publicly that you know I was prepared to jump off a chairlift at a ski resort in the summertime uh, out in British Columbia, and only because I picked up the phone and was lucky enough that the person I called answered it. Did I not? And there's no doubt in my mind that I wouldn't be here today if he didn't answer that uh, that call. And I wonder for you, you talked about when we started, you know, that you didn't want to see tomorrow. And I think it's important to talk about that. And could, do you mind sharing part of that and how you felt? And did you did you try to take your life? Did you contemplate it at all? I contemplated it really heavy. Um, I was sitting in my car and it was after just, a, I mean, it was just like, it was the, actually the final final day I made my last bet. And, um, and this was after, after having a short period of, um, no betting, like I think 55 days that I was able to stop. And then I slipped and I went through this spiral and I was just sitting in my car and I was just thinking, I, I'm going to drive off a bridge. There's a huge bridge I had to cross. And I was thinking I was going to, going to drive off of it. And I opened my phone up and a picture of my mom showed up and I just knew I couldn't do that to her. Wow. Well, it's very powerful. We appreciate you sharing your story. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to continue on and talk about how the last four and a half months have turned uh, your life around. It's Christina. She's from Oklahoma. She is a compulsive gambler. This is Hello, My Name is Craig on WFAN. Back to more of Hello, My Name is Craig on The Fan with your host, Craig Carton, and supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. All right, welcome back to Hello, My Name is Craig. Dan Trelauer, of course, is always from the New Jersey Council on Compulsive Gambling. And a very powerful story from Christina from Oklahoma, who's about four and a half months uh, without a wager of any kind. So congratulations on that. That's a great accomplishment. What was it like for you the day you said, okay, I'm getting help and walked into a room, whether that's GA or any other type of room, to start sharing your story and listening to other people's stories? Well, um, it was nerve-wracking. It was nerve-wracking. And and to be honest, I don't know where the courage came from. Um, I'm not a very social person, um, but just something really pushed me that day. I found the local uh, GA meeting. I went in. It was all men. Um which you would have thought would have made me nervous, um, but it didn't. These guys were kind, and, and, you know, they all had several years under their belt, and, and they just walked me through it, and, you know, they've been my people ever since. I haven't missed a meeting. I've missed two meetings, but one was for a tire issue and one was uh, for a family issue, and that's, that's it. I go every Sunday, I mean, Saturday. Dan, uh, Christina used the word courage. It took courage to walk into that room. I remember how nervous I was the first time I walked into a room, and uh, I... I I shopped rooms until I found the room that I felt comfortable in. Can you speak a little bit about that for people that, for them to know it's okay if the first room you walk into isn't the room you end up in? Yeah, that's so true. You know, uh, each of us have shared a very similar path around shopping rooms or, you know, for myself, I, I showed up to a meeting and I sat in the parking lot for the first two meetings. And, and when I went home, I was married at the time, 
And my ex would say, you know, how was the meeting? And I would say, well, the meeting was good. It looked like people were having a good time. I just didn't go inside. But I showed up to the meeting and sat in the parking lot. So it ended up being the meeting that I really enjoyed. But I did shop around because you're taking something that's uh, isolating in nature, right? Addiction, when it gets really bad, Christina, you highlighted it, you know, not a very social person by nature. So now you're asking someone who's struggling with a gambling addiction, the shame, the stigma, the emotional issues, dealing with all this stuff. And now you're asking a person to go make friends, say hello to strangers. I mean, people who don't struggle with addiction have a hard enough time doing that. You know, you go to a party by yourself and you're standing in a corner and you're trying to figure out who do I talk to? That's something that as a human being, we struggle with at times. So for the person who struggles with addiction, it's normal. It's okay. You embrace it and you realize that a day not gambling is always better than a day in action, 100%. Yeah, and not only that, you're asking that person to also share yo, their soul with people, which uh, you know, if you're not very social to begin with, and now no. you want me not only to talk, but you want me to tell you my innermost secrets and feelings, <laughs> that is a very uncomfortable, tough spot. So, Christina, you should know we're all in the same boat on that. There's a lot of great commonality in your Absolutely. experience. I hope, I hope you do know that. Yes. I do. I do. I, I've come across that a lot. And, and what's funny is, even though I'm not a social person, um, you know, just when they started telling their stories and, you know, as more people have started coming back to the meetings and I hear the, all these different stories, um, I don't know, it, it just loosened something up in me. I was just like, these are my people. I can talk to you. I know you're going to get how I completely justified things that are just completely unjustifiable. Yeah, no and, doubt. And I'll tell you something else, at least for me, that was moving. You know, I, I talked to a guy who has uh, 30 years under his belt, right? Now, I've been just over three. Dan's got triple that now. But I had a, a guy 30 years, and I and he, does, he never misses a meeting unless he's, you know, I got a family vacation or something like that. And I went up to him after a meeting, and I said, why do you still come here? Like, you've clearly got this beat. It's been 30 years. And he said, the reason it's been 30 years is that I come here once a week. Like, he reversed it on me. And I never considered that because in my mind, I felt like once I thought in my in like my soul that I had it conquered. Well, there's no reason to go to those meetings anymore. You know, I'm victorious. I conquered the addiction, and I don't feel the same way about that anymore. There are days I do, to be completely transparent about it, but I recognize the reminder, the need, the focus of a hey, at any point. You know, I could fall off that wagon, as so, so to speak. So it's a good reminder of the hard work I've put in. It's a good reminder that there is this fellowship of men and women who also get it. So I would encourage you to do that. If you know, if GA is for you, then that's great. I do all I do all kinds of things. I know that we never actually graduate the program. It's something that that recovery will be something I do every day for the rest of my life. And I do work with a sponsor, 12 Steps, and, and I'm very active in the online community. I started my own podcast. So every day I'm doing something towards recovery and helping somebody else. So I'm, I'm hoping this will be my lifetime. Can you walk us through, For I, I talk about this a lot on the show with Dan, that there's someone listening to the show right now who is either the addict or the loved one of an addict who uh, is overwhelmed right now, who doesn't see the light at the end of the tunnel, who doesn't recognize that you can get to four and a half months as you have, or three years like I've had, or, you know, Dan, uh, where he is. Um, Can you just walk us through how much better life is for you without gambling, without telling lies, without hiding things, without, you know, chasing money, et cetera, et cetera, and just the difference in only four and a half months 
uh, of what that's been like for you? It's been, it's been weightlifting. That's for sure. Um, you know, there's, there's not this heavy elephant on my chest every day. And, you know, like, like I say, when I'm talking to other women about recovery and starting recovery, because they are so scared to start it is, um, you know, everything wasn't going to be perfect. The minute I decided to stop betting, I mean, I was still going to have the, the, the financial issues and things like that coming at me. But at this point, I look at it as I've survived a hundred percent up to this day of what's come at me and I'll survive a hundred percent of what recovery is going to throw at me. So I'm feeling great. I'm feeling energized and, and, um, just looking forward to moving on with my life. Well, that's great. And what is the name of your podcast? Okay. It's called the broke girl society podcast. The Broke Girl Society podcast. And you guys put it out every week? Yeah, generally. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, listen, if you're out there, whether you're a woman or not, but you want to you know, hear more stories and be a part of the conversation, by all means, check out the Broke Girl Society podcast uh, with Christina. Christina, I, this is going to sound weird to you because we don't know each other. We've never met. But it's something I think you should hear and you need to hear. I'm proud of you. And I'm sure Dan would say the same thing. You know, yeah, it's a, it's a major, major step to want to get better and then to do everything you can to get better. And you should feel really proud of that and feel really good about that. And I hope that, you know, when we talk to you six months from now, you got ten and a half months in and on and on and on. But just know that we're proud of you and you're doing something that's very tough to do but very worthwhile and keep at it. And thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you so much for having me. So, Dan, you know, it's interesting. Uh, that's the first person I think we've had on the show who didn't begin gambling until uh, they were almost 30, which was interesting to me that you could go your 28 years of your life and never gamble and then so quickly uh, develop a problem doing it. Yeah, you know, I agree with you. You know, and, and as soon as she said she started later on in life, immediately as I'm listening to the story and I'm, my, I'm thinking about something happened, right? Something happened right. along the way. And sure enough, you know, there was divorce, there was emotional loss, uh, relationship issues. And then she said her friends had kids and she didn't have kids. And you start dealing and processing all of this stuff. And if you don't know where to even begin, it's easy with that accessibility. And all of a sudden I can just escape the world that I don't know how to deal with or I don't want to deal with. I'm just going to play the slot machine for a little bit. And that it can start as simple as that, Craig. Yeah, and I remember you said months and months ago on the show that you know, women tend to, it's not 100%, but they tend to find a more passive form of gambling as opposed to the action of, you know, blackjack or sports or that kind of thing. So I can see a woman, you know, getting lost in a slot machine, you know, simply pushing a button or pulling a lever and eventually, you know, kind of being, you know, glazed over in days by the repetition of it. I can see that for sure. Yeah, there's no thought process. There's no decision making. You know, we had Tiffany on a number of weeks ago and she didn't want to deal with a lot of stuff. She enjoyed slot machines. She enjoyed that stuff. And, you know, it's easy to kind of just get lost in the world because you're just you're numbing out. Right. A lot of times what they say in the field is that, you know, you're in a negative mood state and you don't want to stay in a negative mood state. Nobody likes to be in a negative mood. So you look to get out of that negative state however you can get out of it. And in this case, she was finding it through escaping the world of slot machines, which is rapid reinforcement. Every three seconds, you're getting another outcome. And as we've also known about brain, you're looking forward to the next outcome. 
You're excited when you win. You're excited if you lose because you're still playing. I mean, there's just constant excitement. You also lose the sense of time, which is key. Like hours and hours pass by without you even recognizing it. And I'm sure that's part of it as well. I know it was for me that, you know, I would look up and say, oh, my God, I've been doing this for six hours. There's no way. You just lose track of time. It's like something that that you say often. You said it at the conference uh, this past week. And also today, Christina alluded to it, how the weight had been lifted. And I always think of you kind of describing as the mental space, the mental freedom you get back from not gambling. That stays with me every day because I I still reflect on that. You know, not spending all these hours preoccupied. It, it does feel like a weight's been lifted off your brain in a way. I also had a big epiphany this morning. I'm going to share with you. I'm going to share with you. Oh, no. All right, now. You know, so every uh, casino or gambling-based uh, advertisement ends with the following phrase. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER, right? That, that's the yep. stock line that has been used for a very long time. I'd like to change the line. I want to get your take on it. I apologize for putting you on the spot on this. But oh, boy. It, it, I, it's, I've been thinking about it for the last 24 hours. I can't get it out of my mind where I think that line has to change. And rather than say gambling problem, call 800-GAMBLER, I think it should say something to the effect of, do you know a gambler? Do you have a relationship with someone do you suspect someone of having a gambling problem? And try to motivate the loved ones of the addict to make the phone call. And I, my gut tells me you would overnight get 100 times more phone calls than the calls you guys currently get from the gambler themselves. What do you, what do you think about that? Oh, let me tell you. Uh, intuitively, and my, my basic first reaction is yes. I agree with you, and I love the idea. Because... The, the old school of thought is let's market to the people who have the problems. But what reality tells us and history tells us, they're not the ones who are always going to pick up the phone. And our helpline statistics will show that we receive a good percentage, and I'm saying maybe 30 to 40 percent of our calls from loved ones of the problem or disordered gambler. So I like what you're thinking, and I like how you're thinking about it. And I think that's a call also to the operators because – for 800 camp, for that message to be changed, it would have to go through the regs and the statutes in the state of New Jersey because that's right. all legislated in. But for the operators listening and doing business in the state of New Jersey and around the country, let's market more to the loved ones, to the family members of those who might be struggling with a gambling problem because they're the, I don't want to say the policing division, but they're the ones who are going to see it. Yep. They're going to see it always before the person who's struggling with a problem will. And I think that's a great idea. There's no doubt. The accusations will come before the admission. There's no doubt about that. Danny, 100%. as always, appreciate your time. 800 Gambler, the New Jersey Council on Compulsive Gambling. Evan and I are off on Monday, so we're back on Tuesday at 2 o'clock. Kim Jones is coming up next. Thank you for listening to Hello, My Name is Craig. And enjoy the rest of your weekend.